0: Hello, everyone. In today's episode, I will be chatting with Dr. Teresa Persner. Dr. Persner is a practicing neurosurgeon and PhD developmental neurobiologist from Stanford. But first and foremost, she is a mom to three little ones, which is what inspired her to start Cerebelli. Cerebelli is a line of organic baby food that she started with her brother, Nick. During the day, you can catch her running around as a neurosurgeon, and by night, she's improving the way we nourish children, specifically in the early years when their brain is doing its most important stages of development. Today, we chat about her story behind the development of Cerebelli, and the immense amount of research there is to support baby's nutrition, but the lack of follow through within the baby food industry. We chat about Dr. Persner's favorite go-to snacks and meals for her own children, and how you can easily implement them into your own home. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello, Dr. Persner. We're really excited to have you today here on the podcast.
1: Hi, yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Really love your podcast, so it's you know it's an honor to be on it.
0: <laughs> awesome. So we are going to be talking about brain development, uh, nutrients that are critical to that early brain development. But I want to start off with first of all how I even found your brand, which I was telling you before we jumped on here. But I was walking around Target and I saw this beautiful packaging. <laughs> Right. So that kind of drew me in. And I'm always looking for these little, you know, like quick and easy ways to feed my kid on the go because, you know, as a mom of four, we're always like running around to this, that, and the other thing. And it's hard to find something that you know is going to be nutritious and healthy for your child. And I just looked at this cerebellum. I'm like, oh, this is so cool and intriguing. (laughs) I didn't have this around with my other kids. And I bought a box of four pouches. Mm-hmm. And my baby absolutely loved them. And this was a couple of months ago. And then fast forward to the whole discussion that we've been talking with, with your team via email and then setting up this interview. And so I'm really excited to have you on today, first of all. <laughs> but can you tell us about your journey to developing Cerebelli? Like what what were you thinking? What was the the aha moment that you had where you're, you said to yourself, you know, I'm gonna start this, this brand. And I'm going to do it right now.
1: Absolutely, it was a very circuitous route. So it wasn't at all um, something I ever saw for myself. I mean, my my training, my background's neurosurgery, of course. And you know, I love neurosurgery. It's an amazing field. It's extremely um, gratifying and rewarding. And so, you know, you know, baby food or really anything other than neurosurgery was never um, in my mind in the cards. And there was sort of, I guess, there was two two moments that really pivoted my entire trajectory, and they weren't planned and they weren't sought out it just kind of hit me. <laughs> the, the first one was the moment when I decided to, to leave neurosurgery and to go back to the lab and start studying early brain development very seriously uh, down at Stanford. And, and that, that moment occurred really when I was working with children on the pediatric neurosurgery wards. Um, and I had learned a lot about the field before getting there. But what I realized very quickly, especially with children and their parents, is that textbook knowledge and you know, living the experience uh, with parents and their children are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that was particularly accentuated with pediatric brain tumors. I had always found that field fascinating, and uh, so I knew quite a bit about the science and you know the the management, the prognosis, uh, and suddenly all, all these facts became so very different when you're sitting down and living, you know, really one of the worst moments of a, a parent's life and having mm-hmm. these discussions with them. This is something that you can surely understand and relate to. And, and as, as, as I was having them, I, I started to see and, and feel more viscerally the the difference between everything that we knew in terms of the science, which had progressed tremendously, and really the, the therapies and the management that we were offering for, for children. And so one of the things that we had learned, you know, fairly recently is that uh, childhood brain tumors are very, very different from adult brain tumors in the sense that adult brain tumors are, you know, they're really uh, different within the tumor between people, et cetera, et cetera, um, Whereas some pediatric tumors occur because a normal phase of brain growth doesn't stop when it should. So a region of the mm-hmm. brain is growing, growing, and when it should stop, it just keeps going and you get a tumor. And so, you know, we had a, all this, you know, vast amount of new science, but our therapies were the same old things we've been giving kind of forever. and so you know, when you tell your the parents, you know, we'll do everything we can, at some point, I stopped and said, you know, there is actually more I could do. It's just not in the clinical world. That's really why I ended up leaving and <laughs> packed my bags. My husband's also a neurosurgeon. So the two of us packed our bags, we went down to Stanford, and we started studying um, early brain development. And so that was sort of the first big push away from what I thought was a, a pretty stable career trajectory. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was when I was out at Stanford I was you know studying really brain development particularly with a focus on pediatric brain cancer it went you know went quite well I was very lucky with a a few experiments and a few guesses going right but while I was there I also had uh, my kids (laughs) and that's really the second major pivot in in, in my life (laughs) these kids came and you know I'm sure every parent can relate to this that you see things differently and what interests you changes once you have these kids and the big change for me was thinking about brain development, not just in the context of medicine, but in the context of just normal brain development, you have these awesome kids that are hitting these milestones. And suddenly, that that, that entire process is, is you know, it became entirely, you know, fascinating to me. <laughs> uh, and so I started really focusing on, you know, what is normal brain development? What goes into it? And you know, how do you optimize it? How do you best support your child as they're going through this phase? And you know, very early on, I, I realized, you know, there, there's some facts that are both astonishing and, and amazing, but also a little terrifying when you're a parent. So so things like your kid's brain, you know, doubles within the first six months, it doubles again by about a year. By the time they're around three, it's, you know, 80% of their their adult size. And not only is it growing just exponentially, but also as it's doing this, this is really the only time in the entire your entire life where your brain does grow, you know, once your, your brain has reached, once it's formed its neurons, which happens in these first couple of years, the rest of your life uses those exact same neurons, those exact same cells, they just form new connections between them. And so th- this early period of brain development is a once in a lifetime chance to, to really get things absolutely right. <laughs> And, and you know, it turned out there was really three things that uh, that, that support early brain development or, or sort of dictate how it will turn out. And the first is genetics, of course. So the mom and the dad, and then, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, The second is the environment. So, you know, reading books and, you know, having the right toys, the right rich environment for them. Uh, and then the third is, is nutrition. And while the first two, it seemed like people had really given a lot of thought to, the third one, nutrition it seemed like it was a bit of a a void (laughs) in terms of, you know, just being a mom. I'm certainly not a nutritionist by training by any stretch. I'm, you know, a developmental neurobiologist and a neurosurgeon. And so I, I started reading about nutrition and early brain development. And there is a vast amount of literature. There is decades of literature, really good literature, looking at not only what nutrients are important for the brain, Um, but what nutrients are important for which part of the brain and specifically during which months of your child's early, early life. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's interesting. The brain's not just one big structure. It's, you know, hundreds of little structures, right? Yeah, I focused on 40. and, And each of those little regions has a very, very specific window in which it can grow, we call it a critical window. And as it's growing, it needs a really specific set of nutrients to support it. And what's important for one region is not important for another region. And so, being who I was, (laughs) I I very carefully wrote down these 40 regions, I carefully wrote down, you know, when they're growing, and then specifically, which nutrients was required for which, and then I had a month by month plan of what nutrients I wanted my child to eat to make sure that each region was really maximally supported as it was growing. And so, and so then I was sort of hit with this idea, okay, now I know what I want, but you know, how do I get it? I was super busy. <laughs> I was oh, involved, right. you know, my drug, I was going through, F, you know, talking with the FDA about the drug, you know, my research was heading along and I wanted to get back to clinical neurosurgery. And so I thought, well, the easiest thing is just go to the grocery store uh, and then find pouches that have the nutrients I need and then make sure I just buy those pouches when I need them. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, off I went and I went to actually a Whole Foods in Palo Alto. So And I I had that moment, I think a lot of parents have, where you just see this huge wall of of pouches, you know, and they all look different and they all have vegetables in the front. And and so I went and I just started flipping them one at a time and looking at the nutritional panel. And and really, I, I didn't really even care so much, you know, what was in them. I just really was looking for, you know, do they have the nutrients that I need for that time window? And as I flipped them and I flipped every single one of them. Um, of the 16 to 19 nutrients I was looking for, I could only find three. <laughs> and, and not three in a pouch, just three, period. Uh, and, and so, oh, boy. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> you know, three is, if it had, had 12, I could buy, you know, those 12 and then cook around the remaining four to six. But with three, it's actually completely useless. And so I I went back home and then I you know, I started. You know, I became the mom I thought I would never be, which is one that wakes up super early. You know, <laughs> stew blueberries and you know, brush up sunflower seeds <laughs> and make these these concoctions that would have the nutrients oh, that I needed. Yeah, and and so that's sort of how I solved it for my kids. And I think that's actually where the story would have ended if it weren't for my brother, who's uh, the co-founder. And and he had a kid around that time as well. And and he, you know, I told him what I was doing. and His wife is this amazing mom. So she started doing it too. And he told me, he said, you know, Teresa, you have to make this more available to people. You know, parents don't know Mm. about this. Parents wouldn't even know to be worried about this. And so, you know, you have to, you know, you have to bring that education and then a solution to, to the problem. And, and to be honest, my first reaction to that was absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't leave neurosurgery to make baby food. I left neurosurgery to, to hopefully find a new <laughs> approach to brain tumors. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was a, it was a hard no, but he kind of kept working on me. And over time, I thought about it a bit more. And, and really, th- there was this moment where it, I really made the decision, you know, I've been sort of heading that way. But really, I became all in. And and this is actually a true stories. I was back at the same Whole Foods i had been initially, I saw a young couple with a kid that was about the same age as my kid when I had gone there. And they were just staring at the pouches, they looked overwhelmed. <laughs> and they were, they were <laughs> doing what I did, they, they were flipping the pouches trying trying to figure out, you know, what do I give my kid? And in, in that moment, I realized, no matter how much these parents love their kid, no matter how much they want to do the very best thing for them, no matter how much effort they're willing to put into getting that for the child, no matter what they chose, they were picking the wrong answer and there was no winning choice. And that really sort of hit me. And I thought, you know, I I feel like I've had an extremely privileged life. I've had a life of, you know, I've been in school forever, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, education is, you know, it's, it's funded at least in part by the taxpayers. And so I, I feel like mm-hmm. you know, society has been allowing me to live in this academic white tower. Can I really walk away now when I have the solution that, that people could really benefit from? And so that's how I somewhat, you know, reluctantly decided that I would do this. And um, I'm one of these people that says no to almost everything that's asked of me. But when I say yes, it's just 100% yes. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so when I decided I was all in, I just went all in. And then, you know, we, we went, we, we cut no corners. I approached it the same way I, pro- I approached neurosurgery. Just everything had to be extremely well thought out, meticulously executed. You know, things like we wanted it veg first, um, because you simply can't get the nutrient density that we wanted and the low sugar levels that we wanted with, with fruit. So it had to be veg first. Much, much harder to do baby food that's veg first. It requires a whole different manufacturing process. I wanted it to, you know, I wanted to screen for heavy metals. At the time, everyone told us we were crazy for doing that because, you know, what happens if you screen and you find a level that that's not good? And my answer was, well, then you don't sell the product, right? And so, right. so, so we, we hand selected each farm that we got our ingredients based on their soil, then we tested for heavy metals. And then when we mixed it all together, we tested again for, you know, every kind of contaminant you can imagine. Um, and then things like we wanted omega-3s but we wanted DHA in particular you often see ALA because it's easy to get from chi and stuff but mm. that, you know that we actually know that ALA doesn't help brain development it does other things but it's not you know it doesn't do what DHA does for brain development and so you had to go DHA and then you know it's much harder to get so we got it from you know we water extracted it from algae oil and stuff like that so it it, it was just every step became really thoughtful and really meticulous and then um, ultimately, we ended up with the the product that that you found. And I'm so glad you found. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know, seriously, I mean, I wish this was I mean, I, I know I said this, but I wish this was around before, you know. <laughs> but you know, this is just amazing. I, I know that some of the people listening are really going to want to ask you if you have a resource that they can go to that has these time windows that you are talking about, you know, during these specific, the specific months where this specific part of the brain is, is developing and what kind of nutrients they can do to support it. Is there a resource
1: that you have that they could look at? You know what, in all honesty, I would really love to, to be able to give that resource, but it, it ended up being that the patent that I made was the single most easy patent to get through because <laughs> there was there's just nothing out there. There's nothing even close to it.
0: That's like so crazy it, to me. It is
1: crazy. It, it, there's a lot of literature, so if you go vitamin by vitamin, you can get you know dozens and dozens of paper on that vitamin and what it does with the brain. But but there's no no one's put it together. Yeah. No one's put it together in a way that would be digestible to a non-scientist. And so right. that's actually something you know accessibility is huge for me. Uh, and if, yeah. if parents have the bandwidth to be able to make their children's food, I think it's really awesome to be able to do that. There's a social component that is wonderful. And so uh, uh, we're working right now on trying to put together maybe a book or something, or at least a, a resource mm-hmm. for the website where parents can just scroll through it and see, okay, what's going on right now? And what nutrients do I need? So we have bits and pieces that are on the website, but we don't have um, what I would call like a, an adequately satisfying tool. For, for the yeah person. so we're, we're working on that but but really it doesn't exist and I, I promise you if I knew that it did I would be very happy to, to share that with you
0: <laughs> yeah well see now you have to take another year or two to write the book
1: you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll <stop> um.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh okay so why don't we talk a little bit about uh, brain development in the in the first year maybe just like, the most important parts like throughout, I mean, obviously, you, I know you said that, you know, your brain is growing like double in size that yeah. first year. And then how certain nutrients can help support that throughout that first year?
1: Yeah, for sure. Definitely. It, it's the, the first year is really exciting. And you know what, I always say that parents are actually developmental neurobiologists, whether they know it or not. <laughs> it's a big word, but but you know, they actually are you you see, you actually know what's going on in the child's brain, because you're watching their behaviors. And for the most part, we're watching them very closely. So you actually know that their you know their visual cortex, the area of the brain that's that's important for seeing and not just seeing, you know first seeing black, first white, and then color, mm-hmm. um, later lines and borders. Parents know that the kid's doing that pretty early on, you know, around you know four to six months, it's really starting to come together. and not surprisingly, That's exactly when that region of the brain is growing. You know, we know that they start picking up language around a year. And sure enough, you start to really see growth in the language areas around 11 months and onwards, right? We know that they're starting to really learn coordination around six months, you know, rolling over, starting to get up and things like that. And sure enough, the cerebellum, which is important for coordination, is is starting to fire around then as well. So in fact, parents, they, they know what's going on in the brain. They just don't realize it because they've never really thought of the behavior in the context of the brain. The behavior is simply a reflection of what's happening at the mm-hmm. brain at that particular time, so so yeah, I think I think parents actually are, are quite aware. And if you look at the milestones, it's sort of an easy way of just going back and 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 almost always it will it will correlate pretty closely with mm-hmm. that region of the brain growing. So the nutrients are hard because there's just so many of them and they do so many mm-hmm. at different times. I think a way that I sort of. When I was thinking about, you know, what do I really need in this food? It's not just the nutrients, because the nutrients obviously are important, but I also thought, okay, which of these nutrients are already in excess in a North American diet? Because I don't you don't really need more of that, right? You're gonna get it anyway, whether it's from the breast milk or, or whatever that you know children right. are normally eating. And so I really looked at large data sets and said, okay, in the normal breastfed child, what nutrients are are not meeting the adequate daily intake, given a, you know, just a a normal North American child. And so um, we sort of started there. And that made it a bit easier, because it narrowed it down from all 19 nutrients and or 16, you know, 16 to 19. And and those 16, we do make sure we have in every pouch in case your child is that 1% outlier that happens to not meet the the normal daily intake for a normal diet. So we, we covered them all. But the ones that we really wanted to cover with the primary ingredients so the whole foods that, you know, the first ingredient or what have you, uh, we especially focused on, you know, the, the nutrients that are often lacking. And so um, in the first year, you know, the ones that are lacking in about 15 to 30% of kids are things like vitamin A and phosphorus and magnesium and selenium. And then things that are often lacking, you know, in about, you know, up to 80% of kids are things like, like vitamin D. A lot of, uh, a lot of doctors are now recommending, you know, supplementation of vitamin D and then things mm-hmm. like choline. So, you know, and, and iron is deficient, you know, it's, it's actually in far fewer kids. While a lot of people think of iron as, as the thing that, you know, kids are lacking. It's only about 8% of kids that, that are lacking in, in iron. And, you know, about 2% of kids will go on to have anemia. And, and for sure, iron is critically important for many body functions, and definitely the brain. Um, it has a, a far more far reaching effect on the brain. It does affect certain areas. So areas like what we call the, the basal ganglia. So uh, part of the, the, the body that's involved in coordination and smooth movements and, and also areas that have to do with attention uh, and focus. But, but overall, you know, when you get to the point where you're so deficient, you're anemic, you're, you're starting mm-hmm. to hit, you know, most of the brain regions as well. So, so I think if, if a parent were, th- they're certainly welcome to go to our site and look, you know, just put in their kid's age and then it will, it will tell you all the nutrients, you know, which of the 16 are important I were making my child's food and focusing on uh, specific nutrients, I would probably focus most on on those ones.
0: Now, I I know some listening may be like, oh, gosh, this is so overwhelming. Maybe I'm not feeding (laughs) the right nutrients at the right time, right? Because, (laughs) you know, that's what we do as parents. We're like, oh my, (laughs) I just, so I mean, Teresa, I just raised, you know, almost four kids and I didn't know this information. So (laughs) now I feel like I'm deficient in giving them the right nutrients. But is there anything that you can tell the people listening that might be something that's just kind of an easy way to think about this? You know, like, is it to go to your website and then just check out these nutrients and just make sure that, you know, what they're feeding their babies has some of these things? What would your suggestion be to kind of digest this information yeah. without being too overwhelmed?
1: I, I think if you're a type A like me, then that's a good way of doing it. <laughs> so you, yeah. can, you can literally just go to the site, put in your child's age. It will tell you the nutrients that we focused on. And then you can just Google those nutrients and look for foods that are high in those nutrients. So, yeah. I mean, if it was me, that's what I would do because I, I really do like mm-hmm. to know all the details. But if you're a more pragmatic parent, which I think is most parents, general rules that I give is – so vegetables, for sure, like I would prioritize vegetables over fruit. There, there's so many reasons for that. So the first is, is the nutritional value it tends to be higher, the sugar is lower. But also, you know, as a child learning to develop their palate, giving a wide range of vegetables early on, uh, introducing it repeatedly, sometimes it takes, you know, up to 10 times to get the child to accept a, a vegetable. It, it makes it easier later on. <laughs> it means that the child's already accepted vegetables. You know, almost no kid's going to say no to mac and cheese. You know, you, you can bring that in any day, and they're they're happy to see that. Oh yeah, right? and even most fruit. You know, they're they're sweet enough that it, it's it's rarely hard to really convince a kid to to have fruit. But but veg are hard. So introducing them early on, and then this is over overly simplified, but it actually holds up pretty well. Vegetables with dark colors and different colors. So you want dark leafy greens, you know, carrots, uh, sweet potatoes, you want to if you want to get the orange, the greens, you know, the dark purples, the more different colors that you can, you can give the child, you know, different peppers and stuff like that. It, it tends to cover more nutrients and tend to be more dense in nutrition. So, so that's the thing I often say lots of different colors, the darker the color, the better. <laughs> and the other thing I sort of focused on as well are foods, that are the source of all the nutrition for a growing thing so just to make sure, mm-hmm. like seeds uh, you know a seed is all the nutrition that a plant gets until it starts to sprout roots right and so not surprisingly seeds tend to be really packed with, with nutrition and often nutrition that's hard to get from vegetables so vitamin E is you know sometimes really hard to get it's commonly deficient It's in sunflower seeds nuts are the same kind of thing that is the you know it's the foundation of the tree and then things like eggs so, you know, the chicken has to develop from the egg. So all the nutrition it's getting in those for early days are from the yolk. And so I think that's another thing that I focus on a lot, you know, dark, different colored vegetables and seeds, nuts and, and eggs and stuff like that are, are great sources. And then if you're if you know, if, it, if it's in the way that your family eats, certainly meat has certain nutrients like, you know, heme-based iron in high levels, that's hard to get otherwise. And if you're a family that does not eat meat, you know once the child's ready, of course. And you know if you're a, fa- a family that does not eat meat, I'm um, just being really attentive to the B vitamins, like B12 and stuff like that. Yeah, I, th- I think that's is that a little bit easier? Is that <laughs> no? That's I think that's
0: no. That's absolutely perfect. Okay. <laughs> and it's so it's so interesting that you mentioned seeds because like it's not something I would have ever imagined giving my you know right now my 11 month old. You know what I mean? But I mean you're right. It's just like how do you like how do you personally make that edible for your child? I know you had mentioned earlier in the episode, you were crushing them up. Yeah. Are you just mixing that into like,
1: Yeah. explain this. (laughs) I I was so busy and and I'm actually someone who's just so set with routine. So I I always did things that were easy to do and I could, I could switch up quickly. So one thing I often gave to my kids was whole fat Greek yogurt is great. Mm Sugar-free whole fat Greek yogurt is great. So I would have a, a jar and on the bottom I would put, you know, oats or like oatmeal and put in, put in with it, you know, chia, and I would crush up sunflower seeds, you could all do all that in advance. So you do it, you know, once a week, you make all your crushed up seeds, and you just sprinkle it in, you know, the, the day of, then I would put a layer of uh, stewed uh, berries, so dark berries, again, the rich fruit are to generally better. So like blueberries and things like that. I would put a layer of that. And then I would put on top of it, the, the whole fat Greek yogurt, and then drizzle something you know, to, to make it a little bit more palatable for the child. So a little bit sweeter if that's what they need. I, I, I never added sugar early on, um, but, you know, sweet things. And, you know, the, the berries are pretty sweet too. And so uh, when my kid went to, to daycare, every day he they would have something like that. I would switch up the seeds that I had crushed into it and I would switch up the fruit. But sort of that base was always the same, so it made it really easy to do. And then the other thing I did is I would make a couscous or something, um, but then it's really easy to put into, you know, that little base you know, uh, eggs that have been a little bit scrambled and then any okay. type of vegetable that you want, um, just cut up. And so I would always switch around the vegetable, but you know, the couscous was pretty easy. Um, and I in general try to avoid too much, uh, rice and stuff like that just because of. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly didn't take it out of the diet, but I, I tried to switch it up a lot.
0: <laughs> I'm just over here taking uh, a bunch of notes. <laughs> <laughs> you just see me over here. I'm like breakfast, whole fat Greek yogurt topped with yeah. sunflower
1: seeds. <laughs> and you know what? I can tell yeah. you, like, it never took me more than 10, 15 minutes to get all of their like their their snacks and lunch and everything ready for daycare in the morning. I didn't have yeah. time, so I really did. I just you can make it so much in parallel that it's it's pretty straightforward.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And and I mean, once you once you have that routine, it's it's fine. It's just like the coming up with it. Like for me. Like, it's just everything's so crazy. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. And then I just waste more time, I think, thinking about it than I do actually (laughs) like executing it. (laughs) Really. I did want to ask you, do you have any tips that you can tell us when it comes to navigating the baby aisle and, you know, trying to figure out like, how to read these labels? And what are we looking for? Are we looking? Are there any things that might stand out to you that you would say, Oh, gosh, yeah, I'm going to put this back on the shelf? Like, there, Is there anything like that, that you would absolutely avoid?
1: Yeah, I mean, you would be surprised. And so obviously, what you see when you are going down the baby food aisle is the front of the pouch, the front of the pouch can be extremely misleading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so often, oh, I remember yeah. I once back calculated I had a pouch and it was all these, it was all spinach on the front of it. And then, you know, a little bit of apples and this and that. And then I flipped around the pouch and I looked in the back and the first ingredient was apple. What you'll find if you look at the ingredients, it's almost always apple, pear, banana. They're cheap, they're acidic, so it's easy to manufacture with them. And, and when I back, cal- and I looked at the amount of iron, right? And you know how much iron is in spinach. And so I back calculated the amount of spinach that must be there given the iron content. And it was one calorie of spinach. So so that, that had yeah, one calorie. <laughs> and those little like <laughs> those little puffy kid crackers that are all, you know, carrot, but whatever. Again, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. flip it around and and look at the back and actually look at the nutritional information. So for me, it's actually easier than you think to navigate the baby food aisle. What you should do is ignore the front of the pouch. <laughs> Other than, you know, there if there's certain ingredients your child will not eat, then you know, you don't want you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. As long as it looks like reasonably palatable. And then just flip it around and look at just two things. One is the nutritional panel. And the second is the ingredient list. And uh, what you want is something that is nutritious, <laughs> low in sugar, you know, higher in protein and fat, lower in carbohydrates, fiber is good, of course. And then look at the ingredient list and see, is that first ingredient apple, pear, banana? If it is, and there's a reasonable chance that a large part of that pouch is actually applesauce. And while parents all know to avoid apple juice, and, you know, it's like, ooh, apple juice, don't eat that. Not a whole heck of a lot of a difference between apple juice and applesauce, right? And so don't be fooled. Try to get past that front of the package. They legally have to tell you what's in it, right? They legally have to tell you whether it's good or not. And so bypass the advertising. Unless you love the look of Cerebelli, then don't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I'm just, I, you know, I, I kid, but, you know, really try to try to ignore all the flashing lights in front of you and just flip it around and see what's there yeah. and then pick the one that makes sense. I, it's actually yeah. easier than, than you would think.
0: Yeah. All right. Is there anything you want to add to this first section of everything? I think we can dive into just a few of the community questions if you don't have anything else you want to add.
1: No, I think that was great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Let's go with, you know what? Let's talk about when you're breastfeeding, obviously the first four to six months are, you know, your baby's nutrition when you're breastfeeding is through the breast milk. Now, as a mom, what should we be doing as far as, I mean, I can tell you right now my diet was terrible. I was eating chocolate chip (laughs) cookie dough and like, I mean, really it's just (laughs) terrible because you're postpartum and it's just, you're craving all these weird Mm -hmm. things that you, you weren't having, you know, prior, but. What can you tell us about what type of nutri- nutrients that we should be focusing on when we're breastfeeding in those first few months?
1: Yeah, in the first few months. Mu- yeah. So, I mean, it's it's first of all, I think just to keep it really simple, I, I think what, what you want to be doing always is just having a highly varied diet. So Again, mm-hmm. it's sort of the same thing as with kids. You want to be eating a lot of vegetables, different colored vegetables, deeply covered vegetables. If you're having fruit, you want, you know, again, deeply colored fruit. You know, fat is really important in those early days as the child's brain is growing. You know, the brain's like sixty percent fat. But, but in fact, you know, and so fats and and protein are in general better than carbohydrates. But I wouldn't go um, like don't go crazy. Don't try to cut out all carbs. Like certainly, don't go on a specific diet while you're breastfeeding, right? Other than a balanced diet, Um, you don't want to put yourself in a non-physiological state. Your body knows what Mm -hmm. it needs, and your body will will prioritize your brain and your child really. But things that are particularly important at, at four to six months are um, vitamin A. Again, a lot of their primary visual cortex is, is forming. Um, so not only their ability to see, but a, a really cool thing, and, and maybe this is something that other parents have noticed, but you'll see around around the, you know, the earlier uh, postnatal months, you'll see the child uh, staring at, at blinds and things like that. And you think, oh, I wonder why my kid you know, they love the light you know, it's actually usually not the light, it's the straight line. <laughs> and, mm. and, and what they're starting to understand is is a border, which sounds kind of boring. But actually, um, once they understand a border, it means that they can understand an object. And it means that mm-hmm. for the first time, they realize that they are uh, an object in a world of objects, that they are actually a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's, that to me is amazing. And so things that are important for, for the visual cortex is actually, um, you know, the, the carotenoids. So, so vitamin A and lutein and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Vitamin A. So yeah, you know, carrots actually are pretty good for your, pretty good for your eyes, not your eyes, but your, your ability to see. (laughs) Um, And so, um, carrots and sweet potatoes are are good for that. And then other things that are sort of important at that point are are zinc, copper, uh, iodine. Very rarely are we deficient in iodine just because of a lot of our salt is, is fortified, and similarly, copper is not not a normally uh, deficient um, nutrient, but, but the, the A vitamins can be. Um, and then finally, mm-hmm. uh, iron. Uh, protein always is good, but, but iron uh, in the postnatal stage, you know, we always talk about childhood anemia, but, but mothers certainly can have it as well. You know, if, if you eat meat, um, you know, every so often, not in excess, of course, but, mm-hmm. you know, every so often red meat is just a power punch of iron. So I think that's yeah. probably what, what I would focus on.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's perfect. All right, so the next question, and I'm curious about this. I know you already gave us a kind of an example of what you've given them for snacks and such, but are there any other like quick snacks that you prepare ahead of time or just have on hand? Something that you literally just grab and run out the door with? <laughs> well, you know,
1: what? I mean, and this is seriously not a plug, but but now I, I just I have cereal bars. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like I've solved my problem for myself. So so now I I just I always have like, my kids. Always had a, a pouch, and yeah. I find like for snacks like our Peppa pouches are a little bit easier. They're a little bit sweeter than you know the the intensely vegetable dense ones. So for food, I would give them more the more vegetable dense pouches, and then for snacks, I, I just have these little pouches around. And the nutrition they're getting from one of our pouches is so beyond anything else that that you know I, I stopped thinking about it.
0: <laughs> well, you know, to be honest, and I had a lot of people commenting under under your community QA and and they were like. Uh, my toddler loves the bars. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, the bars are good. <laughs> so, I
0: mean, I think that's pretty great because yeah. not everything like like that's so nutrient dense. It tastes good, you know yeah, what I mean? I yeah. mean, so it's good to like have that feedback from people, and there were quite a few. So yeah. I'm just
1: throwing that out there. <laughs> also, I definitely want to. Put, I mean, that that's great. I like them too. <laughs> um, I actually have them sometimes when I've been operating for too long. They kind of give me a kick. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but but one thing I really want to emphasize to parents as well is that you know I, I've certainly put a lot of thought into what my kids need from a nutritional perspective, but I think mm. it's also important to be really realistic with yourself and not too hard on yourself. I mean the mothers and the or the parent, I should say, because it really is mothers and fathers the the parents, you know, state of mind and and happiness is really important, right. And so if that means sometimes you're throwing some goldfish into your snack pack, you know, that's fine. You know, I mean, it's I think trying to be overly strict with yourself, you know, it it can sometimes be really hard on yourself. And so Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, a balanced diet is important. I don't think that you should be losing sleep if every so often they're getting something that, you know, you're not going to be posting on Instagram, right? It's <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I can't tell you, I don't even know what my life would be like without graham crackers, because yeah. here's the thing, I have to cook dinner for four kids, yeah. and I can't be holding the baby the whole time. That's like completely unrealistic and yeah. dangerous, right? Yeah. We're on the stove. Yeah. And the only thing that keeps her busy is either an orange, which is great, like a big chunk of orange, I'll give, you know, give her one of those, and she'll suck on it for a minute or, you know, yeah. five minutes, and then I'll exchange it with another one. <laughs> yeah. And graham crackers, yeah. the graham crackers. I mean do they have a ton of nutrients no but you know what I also don't care because yeah. guess what happens I yeah. get dinner on the table yeah. and I'm sane and you know it's perfect and, so and you feel I completely so
1: proud. Agree. you should feel so yeah. proud to just that, that you that you are just okay with that because I think that you yeah. should be and I think there, there's such thing as going too far <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure yeah
0: so with that being said, Somebody had asked, will you be coming out with any other products like besides the pouches and the bars?
1: Oh, you know, we have so many things on the horizon. <laughs> I can't oh, know. that's what we like to hear. <laughs> there, there's some things that I'm super excited about, but they're not going to come out for probably until um, next year. Yeah. The, the, the one thing that is coming out soon are our bone broth pouches. Um, and so, so one thing that I always struggled with, with the vegetable first pouches, that it's really hard to get protein. Yeah. You know, especially when the kid gets to about 12 months onwards, protein becomes uh, a higher need and the amount that uh, that they need, it becomes higher as well. I found that I was really struggling to to hit that with with just vegetables. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's how we came up with with the bone broth. And really, it's also the pouches themselves are super tasty.
0: Really? Yeah. They're, they're, so is it bone broth mixed with other stuff or like Yeah, what are, yeah. They're all inspired oh.
1: by you know like chicken noodle soup and beef stew. And like so they're they're inspired so they're flavorful. But but I've been using them um I've been mixing them into things as well. Because now my kids are a bit bigger, so they're not you know, actually they right. still eat the they still eat the peppa pouches, but but in general, you know, they're going to school and stuff. So Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been now sort of like mixing them into the things I'm making and they just mix in so beautifully to savory dishes. Yeah. That's the the most the thing that will come out this fall, and then next year, just a few sort of I think really different things that um, I'm super excited about that just don't exist in any form in the market right now. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. I think I think we've done pretty well with the pouches. There'll be some more some more pouches, I'm sure. But you know, new formats and 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 yeah. uh, new new target uh, target customers and stuff like that. So it's yeah, I, it, it'll be cool. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So this is, a, this is a good question. When should vitamins be given and what kind? So like what age? Everybody always asks like, okay, well, what age do I start giving my kid? Like, for example, like a daily vitamin, like just a multivitamin. When should we be giving this? Should we be giving any other different type of supplements to our kids? Like, yeah, do you have
1: any suggestions on that? You know what? Like I, I know a lot about the brain and the nutritional aspects of that. But when it comes to just general nutrition, I really do rely a lot more on nutritionists yeah. So I would actually ask a nutritionist that question. I mean, I give yeah. them multivitamins because, like, you know, they have all those little chewy ones are so easy to give now, they're treats. I know, um, I know. So much <laughs> My kids really,
0: they think they're candy. They're like, ooh, yeah. Yeah. we got you know? to have our vitamins. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Um, yeah. So, I mean, I give them because I sort of think, you know, why not? But in yeah. terms of the timing and which ones and how much, I, I think that you should either ask your pediatrician or, or yeah. really like nutritionists are amazing untapped resources for the most part.
0: But, yeah. but I rely on them very heavily. <laughs> so what is your take? Just this is your opinion, really, on baby led weaning and puree is like, what did you do with your children? What was your, you know, what did you start them on? And what's your whole take on that?
1: Right, right. I mean, so much debate on things like this. And people are I know. very passionate about one way or the other. And very. <laughs> you know, I, I, I certainly see merit in all ways. And again, I, I'm going to give you just my own experience. Yeah. Really, I think that people should make their own decision. Oh okay. yeah. Yeah. For for me, I, I'm very practical. I just did whatever seemed to work with the kid. And so, you yeah. know, I have three different children. They did things very differently. You know, one we really walked through potty training. The other one at 18 months saw their their sibling getting potty trained and decided, I'm not keeping diapers anymore. <laughs> And so I I, I tend to not try to force my kids into any one, you know, thought stream or I see see what they want. And if the child is wants baby led weaning, if they're really interested in my food and they're reaching for it, then I allow them to have it. If they prefer having purees for longer and have the you know, the more social component of mama, you know, helping them eat and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, then I do that. And so for me, I just try to stay really open I try to know all the different options and just stay very open minded and just watch my child and go by their cue, and not try to force them down one path that I think is right. I would say that I, I certainly did a, a mix of both. Yeah, And then, you know, I really just followed my child's lead.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I mean, I think that's perfect, right? And it keeps you with a low level of anxiety, right? Because you're not like, oh my gosh, my kid won't do this. They won't <laughs> do the baby led weaning thing. They won't do the purees. Like, oh my gosh, you know, and you kind of get yourself all stressed out. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, your child kind of yeah it receives that feedback and then of course they're like definitely not going to eat yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. But I kind of took the same approach and I'm telling you I mean even after four kids every time you had another child it was like it was new all over again really <laughs> yeah. because it had it had been at least 2 years right yeah. for us and I'm like oh boy what did we do? And I don't even remember. I don't even remember and oh, it true. doesn't even matter really. Yeah. yeah. But with Maggie, yeah, I did the same exact thing as you, to be honest. And I never really did baby led weaning with any of my other kids. I was always too nervous, right? So, coming from a medical background, I was always too nervous about choking. I mean, really, with my first, I must have given her purees until she was like 15 months. Seriously, I was like, (laughs) no, nothing, you know? And then you kind of learn better and you're like, okay, that was crazy. But. Yeah. I just kind of like followed her lead. I did a lot of like these crazy intense like purees in the beginning where I was like mixing all types of vegetables and stuff Mm -hmm. together. And and then I was like, okay, this is not sustainable for me. (laughs) And then it became just whatever her brother and sisters were were getting. I, I just gave to her and I would just chop it up really small. and yeah. to be honest with you, she loves making a mess. She loves, you know, playing with it all on our tray, and she is such a good eater. She's my mm-hmm. best eater, I yeah. think by far. Yeah. Um, hopefully it stays that way. but <laughs> she'll eat everything on that tray no matter what it is. like she tries it all. I, I, um, I found, which is really cool.
1: I, I found absolutely the same thing. when When I became less obsessed with following a specific parenting style or philosophy, I found that, that, the, first of all, it was much easier for the kid. The kid was happier. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, mm-hmm. they ended up becoming much more flexible. <laughs> yeah. With, with yeah. their thoughts and attitudes. And so I, I, my personal experience is very similar to yours. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say I still don't know when you're supposed to stop cutting grapes. I mean, I remember. Oh, I don't know. I still cut them. <laughs> I, was, I was making snack for my kid, and he, you know, he's like four, four or five years old, and you know, I decided to do grapes. I'm like, I'm cutting them. I don't know if this is. I, right. I know.
0: <laughs> I know. My seven year old, literally, probably within the last year, she's like, "Mom, I can have a full grape now." And I was like, "I was like, you can? Are you sure? Are you sure you can?" I was like, "Take a little bite." And she was like, "Mom." I can handle the full <laughs> grape. I,
1: like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm reading chapter books. I can take the grade. I, oh,
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll still, when we do like a, you know, a cookout or whatever, I still cut those hot dogs in half for everybody. Yeah. I don't care how yeah. old you are. If you're an adult, you're getting a cut, like the hot dogs being cut in half.
1: Yep, yep. You see a few <laughs> things and you just can't forget them. When
0: it's It's <laughs> very true. Very true. All right. So let's end with two questions. I always ask all my interviewees. And the first question is, this doesn't have to do with anything we talked about so far today. It can be about anything, yeah. but what piece of advice would you give to a mom? Like your, be- your, your best piece of advice that you could give?
1: Yeah. Gosh, that's hard because it's so, each mom's experience is so different. And I think mm-hmm. you know, I'm I know. uncomfortable giving unsolicited advice. <laughs> 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 I, I, I think, I think what, I learned most between the first and the third was kind of what we were just talking. It's, you know, your, your gut as the parent. you know, you get all it's scary. It's definitely scary. You don't know what you're doing. You don't have a manual. Everyone's telling you Mm -hmm. different things. They all believe very passionately in what they're telling you and they come from a good place for the most part, but ultimately you have to trust your intuition. And if everyone's telling you to do one thing, but it seems like it's just not working with your child and your child really wants to do something different than, than what everyone else is saying that they should be doing, follow your gut and follow your child. And the two of you will work it out in a way that makes most sense for them. So I think that would be, that would be my one piece of advice.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. And now this last question, I'm really excited to hear your answer on this one, <laughs> considering what we talked about today. If there was one meal that you could make for your entire family that everybody would eat, what would it be?
1: Oh my gosh, that's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I can make one meal.
0: One meal and every single person would gobble it up.
1: Yeah. You know, oh, that's really tough. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. It, the, the reason I struggle with this is cuz the nutritional components important for sure, but also the joy of eating and the joy of spending time with each other and the, the pleasure of, of food is, is such an important you know, I'm half French. Like that's that's a yeah. very important part of, of the whole thing. And so I don't know, like what what is that? What what's what's a delicious a delicious meal that that everyone would just bond over? I think it would be I can't say a specific thing, but I, I think it would be a family, a beloved family recipe that I have yeah. made with my grandmother and shared with my children. I think that would be, the yeah, answer.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's wonderful.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Persner. I know obviously you're a busy woman over there, and you have to start working on your book too, which means you're going to be even busier. <laughs> but thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to chat with us today. Yeah,
1: this was wonderful. Thanks so much, and I, I love what you're doing. So thank you for doing oh, it. Oh, thank you, thank you.
0: Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s.